Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, uh, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hi there. Welcome to session 111 of Selling the Couch. Hope you are doing well. It is um, starting to be spring here, although uh, apparently here in the Northeast, the weather is quite confused because one day we literally have 70 some odd degrees and and then two days later we have snow. So I'm not quite sure what's going on, but I hope that uh, wherever you're joining us from that you've got a little bit more stability in terms of weather. Today's podcast conversation, I'm I'm very excited about one because it is just with a good friend, but it is also a topic I think that's come up a lot in our community, which you can join at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community. But it's this topic of presentations and doing workshops. One of the things that's come up over and over is that doing these presentations and workshops has the benefit of you being seen as a person of authority. But the other thing is it's a great way to get in front of referral sources and also even potential clients. But the thought of doing public speaking is probably terrifying to you. It is for me. And I wanted to have somebody on just to talk about a colleague that's done multiple presentations, just lessons learned from how to do presentations, how to overcome some of those fears about seeing yourself as a person that is an authority on a certain topic, all the way down to like really practical stuff of how do you prepare for a presentation? What do you do during the presentation to keep your voice? And how do you project your voice in a way that folks at the back of the room might be able to hear as well? My guest today is Dr. Katayun Kayeni. Kat is in California, and um, she actually is super passionate about maternal mental health, and that's what her presentations are all about. And so we'll get right to it. But before we do get to today's conversation, I just wanted to take a moment to thank the awesome team at Theranest for supporting today's podcast session. Theranest is private practice management software that is easy to use, and it's used by thousands of our colleagues and to help manage their private practices and make that process of private practice a lot easier. Uh, you can sign up for a free 21-day trial, and they actually hooked up our community with 20% off after that trial. And you can sign up at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Theranest. So we'll get right to today's conversation. Here's my conversation with Dr. Kayani from drkayani.com. 
Hey, Kat, welcome to Selling the Couch. Thanks, Melvin. I'm so happy to be here. I'm grateful for our friendship, and I wanted to reach out to you because I feel like you've done so many presentations, and I imagine have learned a ton of things, and I just... More than anything, I just wanted to like learn from you and, and figure out what you've picked up along the way and uh, to help those who are listening. Great. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to help and, and share any tips that I've learned along the way. Hopefully they're helpful to others. And uh, of course, you know, I'm still learning. We're all still learning. So I'll just let you know what I've figured out so far. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, so I think this is right. But the number one fear that most folks have is the fear of public speaking, right? Yeah. And Part of it, I think, comes with practice, right? Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. how did you work through that initial fear or that initial panic that comes with thinking about presentations and the thought of public speaking and all of those things? Yeah, um, my process has, thankfully, I have a little bit of like act first to think later when I agree to presentations in part because I'm really passionate about getting the word out about the work, not the work that I do, but about maternal mental health issues in general. So luckily, I have that on my side is that I'm really excited to get the information out there. So I think that kind of just naturally takes some of the fear away. Because I really, really think that it's a valuable set of things and information for people to learn about. Well, I mean, I, I was thinking like, when you just said that, like, it's not just about giving a presentation, right? Like you're focusing on your why. Yeah, absolutely. You know, on some level, I know that I don't know everything about all topics. I can't. There are certain people who know a lot more than I do. But when I'm thinking about presenting, I'm not focusing on what am I going to be talking about. Mm. I'm thinking more about, like I said, I don't know everything, but I might know more than they do. And I might be giving them information that they really need. Yeah. So it's almost like uh, you come from this heart of service. And, and it's yeah. almost like that impacts how you present. Mm hmm. Yes, absolutely. It does. It helps keep me centered. It helps keep me focused. I certainly still do have the fear. And I always have, you know, I know that my process when I even get up on stage or start talking is that my face gets flushed. Mm -hmm. And that happens every time. But I've just sort of tried to accept that about my process. And after a couple of minutes, once I get going, then, you know, my system calms down and I'm, I'm able to keep going. Well, I was going through my face flush anyways. I've been able to learn how to talk through that. And even, you know, kind of while I'm talking, take, let myself slow down a little bit. So I'm not tripping over my words and I will actively slow myself down to, and take a breath if I need to. And most of the time people don't notice unless I'm in a really small group of people, but still it's not that noticeable. But these are just little things that I do in the moment while I'm there to just kind of push through that initial physiological reaction. Man, it's amazing that you're able to recognize that in the moment because <laughs> I think for me, like, I just feel panic and <laughs> I'm not even processing what's going on with my body. I know, like, I tend to, like, get sweaty for a little bit <laughs> for mm -hmm. the first couple of minutes, but it's amazing that you're able to actually recognize that in yourself. Oh, thanks. I've been actively working on it because this is uh, doing presentations and presenting on maternal mental health issues is something I'm really passionate about. And so I think that helps, like I said before, reduce the fear and forces me to think of ways to cope. Mm. And because I've done several presentations, I've had some opportunity to notice my pattern. <laughs> right. 
I, so I wanted to ask you something really random, right? So sure. you're really, I feel like you're just, you're so versed in the topic of maternal mental health, right? And I imagine folks are listening. We probably all have expertise in various different areas. Mm-hmm. How did you make that transition from almost like being a, a student or a consumer of that information mm-hmm. to like owning that you actually knew what you were talking about? Was that like gradual? Was that like... It's gradual and it's still happening. I think I've, you know, developed more confidence and more reassurance along the way. And sometimes even <laughs> sort of during a presentation, surprise myself, you know, if people are asking questions that, oh, yeah, I do know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, because all those, you know, those little voices are still there. But it took me putting myself out there and starting just doing initial presentations, doing the first couple of them to get a little bit more confidence. And even though I know some of the information, actually the process of putting things into slides and organizing my thoughts into, you know, one, two, three kind of slides, that kind of a thing really helped me also solidify my knowledge because I was having to go back through with a you know fine tooth comb and make sure I had everything I wanted in there. So that the process of putting together the information solidifies it as well. Getting out there and talking through it, getting the questions that people are asking, you know, answering them. All of that is part of the process of solidifying your confidence or growing your confidence and growing your process from learning to knowing. No, I, um, I mean, I think that's absolutely true. Like, I know for me, we were actually talking about this in a past podcast conversation. I think oftentimes we want to get it perfect, right, before we actually do something, right? So for, for public mm-hmm. speaking, it's like we want to become this like keynote speaker level quality. Yeah, right. Right. Mm-hmm. But the reality is you have to, all of us, right, in whatever we do, have to go mm-hmm. through those little the initial lessons, right? Because right. those things, they are terrifying at the beginning, but it's ultimately those lessons that guide us uh, in future opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I, you know, I'm in terms of learning along the way, I had to learn to project my voice because I was speaking too softly. Mm-hmm. People in the back of the room couldn't quite hear me, even though I had a microphone. And that was something I had to figure out. You know, it's not you know, as a therapist, you're just in a room, usually talking with people, you're not necessarily projecting your voice or or anything like that. So I decided to take singing lessons to help me do that. And I didn't know you did that. I did. Yes. And it really helped. Yeah, I think if I could, I would be like a jazz singer, if I could actually sing. But what was great about the singing lessons is it really helped me to get over the like that, the kind of, I don't know if I want to say fear, but just kind of uncomfortableness of projecting my voice in that loud of a way, because of course, in your own head, it sounds plenty loud. And just really learning to get my voice across the room so that the people at the back can hear me with the intention of like, they need this information too. So I have to get it to them, literally, by getting my voice back there. And so the the singing lessons, she also did some coaching for one of my presentations just to to help me get through a couple of bugs, so to speak, that I was having. And it was really helpful. That's amazing. I know we're going to get to some really practical tips later, but I'm like really curious. So how do you actually project your voice? Because I feel like, I don't know, for me, I have a soft voice too. So Mm -hmm. So we're mostly kind of speaking from our head space. Uh, projecting your voice, I don't know how, really how to describe it the way she did, is coming from more like a chest and belly level. 
you're using the power of your lungs on some level to get it out. It's not just about being louder. It wasn't for me. I actually was like, huh, this feels like therapy. When I was in doing the singing lessons, it was really about getting past these little blocks that we have. And for whatever reason, mine happened to also coincide with getting my voice out there. So it was pretty therapeutic to do this and to figure out how to use the power of my diaphragm and my breath to not just be louder, but to be fuller. Yeah, such a different way of thinking about it, like coming from Mm -hmm. a a place of your entire body as opposed to Mm -hmm. just your your head. Mm -hmm. Um, So I wanted to talk just about like just a couple of just really practical tips if you're getting ready for a presentation. So uh, what are some of those? So I try and have all of my material done. Usually I have to have submitted things, you know, several days before, maybe sometimes several months before if there are CEs involved. But generally, I try not to do anything related to the presentation the day before, because I find that if I do that, I'm trying to add in stuff or, oh my gosh, did I forget about that? Or, oh, I should really have put this in there. And it adds to the anxiety. Mm -hmm. So I try and leave a day where I'm not focused on it. So what do you typically do during that day then? Well, you know, if I'm busy with work or meeting with clients, I'm doing that. Just filling my day with other stuff. Sometimes I will, the night before, if I am feeling some nerves, I'll sit and do some breathing or meditation. But just go about my day as normal for the most part. Yeah, so almost Uh, like envisioning, I mean, the presentation, almost envisioning the presentation as one part of your life, right? Like it's not something that's consuming your life in a way. I try not to. Yeah. <laughs> Easier Sometimes, said than done. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it can vary. Sometimes there it feels like more pressure to have a smaller group of people. Sometimes it feels like more pressure to have a really big group. It kind of depends. So I just try and kind of gauge myself. How am I feeling about this? And then remind myself that I prepared and that I have prepared. And like I said before, I'm going to be giving them information that can help them to relieve other people's suffering. So ideally that I'm just given information. Yeah. I mean, even that like subtle statement, it's very powerful because it's less about you and your Mm -hmm. presentation skills, but more about you being the avenue or the vehicle by which this information is shared to help others. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent feel that way. Every once in a while, that stuff creeps in with like, oh, my gosh, and whatnot, especially after I get the reviews of the, <laughs> you know, the reviews of if I get evaluations, I'll get a, a recap of things afterwards. But what I've even learned from that and what helps me to prepare is that on some level, it doesn't matter how awesome you are. There's a certain percentage of people that just are not going to get your message or don't like how you deliver it or, you know, think you don't know enough or whatever. And that is true on every evaluation. And now that I can, it's at least 10% of people just won't appreciate your style or how you do things and to just be okay with that. Uh, That's very liberating to hear. I mean, Uh you don't have to have 100% of the people like what you present. They won't know. Even if they do like what you presented, that they're just, you know, some people who are coming in with maybe a more critical eye or are expecting something different. And there's no way to control what other people's expectations are. You just are showing up and giving the information that you can, hoping that it's helpful for most of the people. And that's all you can do. So one of your first tips was just take that day before break. The second mm-hmm. one was 
just anticipate, especially on these presentations where there might be uh, some kind of like a, a scale, like kind of j- judgment aspect of it. Mm-hmm. I just realized that not everyone is going to, for whatever reason, right? Not everyone may judge it fairly. What are some other tips that you have? Um, really practical stuff. Um, I make sure to have a backup of all my slides on a thumb drive and also send it to myself by email so that I can have it in two places if needed. That's just, you know, super practical stuff. I take Altoids and water with me. I don't like to take like a hard candy if my mouth is dry because it makes a sound in the microphone. So Altoids kind of just dissolve on their own. You know, you can sort of hold them off to the side of your mouth. Anyways, you don't have to include that. <laughs> no, I but mean, that's actually really practical because uh, mm-hmm. even trying to figure out like if you were to like chew on an Altoid, right? Like mm-hmm. how do you position that in, in relative to the mic? Uh, because mm-hmm. that's I mean, it, it, it's a good point because sometimes we may not perceive something we're doing mm-hmm. that is projecting that much onto the mic or it happens too late and we hear that like pop or something, you know? Yeah. So I just hold it off to the side and just dissolves there. I wanted to ask you earlier, so you said you do a backup of slides and then on a thumbnail drive. Is that something you do like a couple of days before or when do you generally make do all of that ideally? Yeah, ideally it's whenever, at least a day before. I really try not to do anything, like I said, the exact day before the presentation. So once I'm kind of wrapping up my prep is then I'll put stuff on a thumb drive and send it to myself. And then the Altoids in the water makes sense. So this is really maybe silly, but do you drink water before? Do you drink during? Like, what does that all that look like? I'll take a sip before. I mean, I really try and stay hydrated before even the presentation. So days before I'll be drinking a little bit more water just so that I feel like I'm not thirsty the whole time I'm presenting. So the day of, I think it's easier for me to have like a cup with a straw, but whatever, if just so you can take sips without having to open a bottle and all that, but it doesn't really matter. What is important is that you feel comfortable with whatever way you're doing it. So I will occasionally take breaks during presentation if it's very long, just if I feel thirsty, just attend to my needs during that time so that I can, you know, move through with the presentation without, you know, feeling that thirst. So, Kat, this is really practical, but like on these slides, for example, do you have some kind of like pauses or do you incorporate like media or something so that the presentation is still going on, but you can take that pause, anything like that at all? Yeah, I do. It's not necessarily at specific points where I think, oh, I'm going to need a break here. If it's like an hour, if it's a day long presentation, eight hours, I'll have two breaks and a lunch scheduled three or four hours, I'll have an actual break if needed. Some people just want to push through and go all the way through. But I do have some media, I have clips of things that people can watch. So those are natural times for me to kind of step back and take a breather and um, have a drink of water. Yeah, I think the key thing I'm, I'm picking up, especially with some of these longer presentations and maybe even a shorter one, is like it's really all about pacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not just in content, but I think just in our own like self-care. Yes, I think it's very it can be really easy to sort of be detached from yourself and, you know, just doing the presentation. But it's really hard to be in tune at the same time and realize, oh, yeah, I need to take care of myself right now by taking a drink of water or getting an Altoid because that's actually going to help me get through. Sometimes I think if we're a little bit more on the anxious side, we'll push through that. And I don't really know how much it compromises, you know, the rest of the presentation. Probably it's negligible, but how you feel in the process is just as important, I think. 
Yeah, because it's uh, not just about presenting the information. It's about how that's being communicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cool. Lots of really practical tips. Is there anything else that kind of stands out? Well, for me, (laughs) in terms of singing, I will, if I'm driving to a presentation, I'll sing mostly the whole way there as prep for me to be projecting my voice. I put on my favorite songs, the ones that make me feel happy and excited or, you know, strong and whatever. Nothing sad for sure. (laughs) But songs that I like that I know there are parts in there where I will really have to push my voice out. And, you know, I mean, everyone sings well in their car, I think. So especially when there's no audience. True fact. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So that's one thing I do on my way there is to just get my voice and my body kind of ready for projecting my voice out. And also, depending on the song, it can help my confidence for the day and it can help me reframe my mind to, you know, like, yeah, I'm doing this for the women out there who and the families out there who need this help and that kind of stuff. Not to put you on the spot at all, but is there like a favorite song? And the only reason I ask this is Mm -hmm. because, you know, when I do these podcasting webinars, I get nervous before everyone. And I've probably at this point done a little over 30 of them, but Mm -hmm. I get nervous before everyone and I have to play like some kind of, usually for me, it's like some kind of like soothing, like jazz kind of music, you know, just to get my like nerves calmed down. So do you have anything like that? I do, but I don't do soothing music. I do like get me pumped up music. The one I always, always use is, uh, do you know who Michael Buble is? Yeah. He's like a new age crooner type guy. So he does a song called Feeling Good. And it's one of my favorite ones to do because it does make me feel good, but it also has a lot of really good power in it. That's awesome. I feel like all of us need like our battle song, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I wanted to ask you something really practical, which is how do you figure out like when you're doing these presentations, like fees and like all that stuff, like how do you state your fees? How do you figure Mm -hmm. out how much you're going to charge? That's been a really interesting process and a difficult one for me. I have that kind of like bleeding heart therapist financial problem where I want to do everything for free, but that's not possible. So what I found out for me, I charge my standard rate, my standard like private practice out of pocket therapy rate for in person. So when I'm there, how many hours I'm there, I charge that rate. And then I have one sliding scale rate for my specialty clients. And I use that as a rate for my prep time. Oh, that's really smart. Distinguishing like that. Yeah, I feel like You know, the in-person time is, you know, just in terms of the pressure and and having to think and ask questions is not that it's more valuable, but it is it's a higher pressure. Yeah, it's I think it's more of a premium, right? Because they're getting Mm -hmm. access to you in that Mm -hmm. moment and they have the ability to learn from you and ask questions. Yeah. And so that's worked out pretty well so far. What I've been challenging myself to do is to increase my rate for training now in terms of my hourly rate. So still kind of using my my scale rate for prep and my standard rate for being in person, but just raising that a little bit as I've been encouraged to do. And I consult with people because it's also hard to know what the going rate is for presentations of these types. So I will reach out to other people who I know who are doing these types of presentations and kind of get a sense of what they would charge. And the range can vary, really. But I just use that to give myself some scale to go by. Right. So does it depend on, I guess, the type of presentation or scale? Or what is the fee kind of vary on or the topic? 
It depends on the audience a little bit. So like, you know, if I'm going to to a nonprofit or a place that doesn't have a huge budget for these types of things, then to scale down to meet their needs and compromise with them is, you know, is reasonable. But for major medical systems who, you know, have tons of money, then to start out on a a little bit of the higher side, and sometimes you have to negotiate down, and that's fine. I think what I've had the most difficulty with is the idea of starting off high and going outside of my comfort zone and letting them know what my fee is, even though I'm uncomfortable with it being that high, I know on some level they're going to, well, if they, unless they accept it right away, and sometimes they do, then we'll have to negotiate and compromise. Yeah. And I think indirectly it's, uh, I don't know, it's just as we're talking, I just keep thinking like, there's like this very real our relationship between these presentations and our own self-worth and, and our yeah. kind of money stories and all of mm-hmm. these things about, you know, competence and all of these things that kind of intersect. Mm-hmm. Yep. I've actually talked about this in my own therapy because it some of it has come up and brought up these like, why can't I feel comfortable with this? And what is this really about? And it's been useful, you know, a useful discussion to kind of weed out some of the stuff. And I think of it in terms of professional development to talk about these types of things specifically in my own therapy, if I need to, to understand that kind of the deeper underpinnings of, well, why, why does so-and-so charge that much, but you don't feel like you can? And what's that about? Not that everyone needs to go to therapy to figure it out. Sometimes you can just push past it and do it and get and then kind of do your own exposure therapy. But (laughs) but for me, I like to know the deeper meanings. Yeah. And I think all of what you said is accurate. And I don't know what I've sort of realized is I feel like I'm always like hesitant to say this happens in all situations. But I feel like in the vast majority of situations, like I feel like we're just reasonable people, right? We're not Mm going to like charge some like crazy, you know, egregious amount, right? It's... Right. Well, if you do as part of your process of like, I'm going to charge this amount and the feedback you get is that actually we can't do that, then, you know, maybe that organization can't do that amount. Okay, And to use it as information. But I mean, right. If you're coming from a greedy place like, oh, these people have money, I'm going to take them for everything they have, then maybe there's something else going on. Right. Really good point. Kat. Thank you so much for doing this. I was like excited for this conversation because I was like, I know you've done a lot of stuff and I know that, you know, I think just this has come up multiple times in the community of Mm -hmm. how do you do presentations? What's working? What's, you Mm -hmm. know, how do you prep? And I feel like we could probably have another 45 minute conversation. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for doing this. What are some of the best ways that folks can get in touch with you? Well, you can find me on my website at drkayeni.com, D-R-K-A-E-N-I.com. I also have a podcast called Mom and Mind, and that's all about maternal mental health. So you can go to momandmind.com and find the podcast there or on iTunes or pretty much everywhere. And I'm on Facebook as Mom and Mind. I'm on Twitter as Dr. Kayeni, and I'm on Instagram as Mom and Mind. Jeez, and LinkedIn. <laughs> I think that's probably enough. <laughs> Sounds good. You are everywhere. Hi. <laughs> just offhand, just for folks that might be interested, what are some of the topics that you do presentations on? Primarily on maternal mental health. So I've been able to go into 
the local county. We're working on our third annual training for their the county service providers here. I'm going to be helping out at Kaiser, my local Kaiser, to help them with some program development. I've gone into 211, which is a, an information kind of hotline, county information hotline where people can call in to train them how to answer calls from moms who might be looking for resources about postpartum depression and, you know, how to hear what they're saying, if even if they're not saying it kind of stuff. Yeah. It just sounds like you're doing like so many amazing things. And I think for, for moms and for parents, you're just grateful for your heart. You know, I'm grateful for our friendship. Thank you. Thank you, Melvin. I am too. Hey gang, hope uh, you enjoyed today's conversation all about getting ready for presentations. And I, more than anything, I hope that it gives you some new ideas in terms of both thinking through presentations as well as getting ready and, and presenting on that day. Uh, Kat mentioned a number of resources. You can find that at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 111. Gosh, there were so many things that really resonated for me. One of the things that, that really resonated was the idea of taking a break the day before the actual presentation. I don't know if you're like this, but I am a constant sort of, I need to get everything constantly refined and checked. And sometimes that means for like a slide presentation or something like that, I'm trying to do like last minute edits to make it even better. And I just love that pearl of wisdom that Kat shared about just taking a step back and that taking that moment to recenter yourself, to own that you have, you know the stuff, that you've done your due diligence in getting ready. I just love that process. I didn't mention this on the, uh, the beginning or during the conversation, but there's actually a book that I came across that's been really helpful for me as I get ready for podcast conversations, just to train my voice. And that book is called The Voice Book. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. I'll include a link to it here in the show notes page again, which you can find at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 111. But uh, that voice book actually has a lot of really practical tips in terms of exercises and things like that uh, you can do to keep your voice in top shape, especially as you do these presentations. As we wrap up again, wanted to thank uh, the folks at Their Nest for supporting today's podcast session. Their Nest is the affordable private practice management software for solo and group practices. Um, you get unlimited staff accounts, locations, note templates, and storage. Um, you're able to submit electronic insurance claims, accept credit cards, create invoices, and super bills. And it also includes add-on client portals so that your clients can submit intake forms and even schedule online if they wish. And all of this, they have a wonderful support team that helps you out if you need anything or just get stuck along the way. You can find more information about Their Nest and uh, sign up for a 21-day free trial and then 20% off after that free trial is over. But you have to go through this special link, which is sellingthecouch.com forward slash TheraNest. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and thank you again for taking the time to tune in. It's uh, so appreciated. It's been an amazing journey, I think, getting to share these episodes with you and getting and hearing from you and, and getting very sweet emails from many of you guys just saying how helpful the podcast has been. It makes me want to keep going, and I'm just so much in gratitude for you taking the time, and I'm just uh, grateful that I can serve you guys in this way. Take good care. 
Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business, just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.